Hello. It is Tuesday, April the 5th, 2022, and this is the Paul Truesdale Podcast. The title for today's episode is Dress for Success, Chaos Abounds. Yes, we always have a tough crowd here in the audience. This is episode 272. What can I say? Kill him, do it. Oh, man. Sounds like Waterboy. Get no respect. No respect from these bums. What can I say? Uh, You guys got to stop it. Feel like Rodney Dangerfield. Feel like uh, Richard Wagner. Uh, it is what it is, what it is. What do you say we get started? There's only 264 days for Christmas. You guys ought to be cheering and thrilling about that, right? Everything's good about Christmas. Everybody wants to spend money. Everybody wants to get in debt. But I got to tell you, my attitude is you got to stop it, man. If you want to get ahead in life, you got to stop it. You can keep those uh, doggies rolling. Keep spending money and going broke, but you got to stop it. I'm begging you. I'm asking you to do this. I do this every single week, right? I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted. That's right. Bill and I have done this every day. We do it over and over. We say we get started with today's episode, Dress for Success, Chaos Abounds. This is the Paul Truesdale Podcast. Due to our extensive holdings, that of our clients and your host, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and that a conflict of interest exists. The information presented is provided for informational purposes. And now, Paul Truesdell. Well, what do you say we get started with our first item here? We're going to begin with a little clip from Donald Trump. Uh, this guy, he's got to go away. And yet you have people like John Kerry worrying about the climate. So I got to tell you, always remember, never forget, when the guy first announced, we all were standing in my office here and we were saying, holy cow, maybe we might have some real change. We didn't get any change from this guy. He's the same old thing, just another side of the same old penny. I realize some of you love the guy. God bless you. Some of you hate him. God bless you. I just deal in facts and figures. I don't give a damn about emotions, but here's the thing. This guy, he doesn't give up. And do you really miss his voice? The climate. Okay, what we're talking about is he's he's given a speech in front of some people who showed up for one of his rallies. And then, you know, John Kerry's talking about the climate and how the war between the Russian invaders and the Ukrainian defenders, oh, it's terrible for the climate, blah, 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 blah. So what does he do? He seizes on that. He's seizing on the fact that, well, Kerry is passionate about the climate. The climate. Oh, I heard that the other day. Here we are, guys, threatening us. He's worried about the ocean will rise one hundredth of one percent. Now, this is true. You know, one of the things I've said over and over and over, you have all of these people that suffer from recency. Way too many people that suffer from recency where, you know, oh, Miami should have already been flooded by now. And I've literally moved to Florida because I actually, well, I feel like I can think and critically connect the dots. But when I graduated college and after I worked for law enforcement for a while and froze my tutus off up there, I decided it was time to get to Florida. Why did I want to move to 
Florida because, well, based upon big cyclical changes, well, I thought it was going to get cooler up north. So in my generation, we've gone from we're going to get cool to then we're going to get hot to now we're going to, well, it's going to be hot and cold and it's crazy climate change. And by now, we should have had Miami underwater. I, I don't get it. The ocean will rise one hundredth of one percent over the next 300 fucking years. Okay, so here's the bottom line on this. This is the president of the United States. And I don't care if he's out of office or not. I can tell you absolutely unequivocally beyond an exclusion of every reasonable doubt. You lost me there, buddy boy. You lost me bad because I just cannot believe that you gave a speech in public and dropped the F-bomb. And it was not un well, it was unintentional, we're furious, we're angry, or that kind of stuff. No. That was planned for the reaction because you know the audience that you're now playing to. You've lost a lot of the audience that's out there. And um, yeah, can you imagine uh, Governor Rick DeSantis doing that? No, that wouldn't happen. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Now, one of the things I will tell you absolutely unequivocally, on excuse me, of every reasonable doubt, I am not a fan of Joe Biden. I am very concerned about a man who has had brain surgery sitting in the White House. But we just had a great talk in my office about, do you really think that people were telling Trump what was going on when he was president? I don't think so. I think there are a lot of people that just basically gave him the coloring book version of what was going on, and the government just continues to run. The thing that I want you to always remember and never forget, and I think this is a big, big, big deal. And that is our government will continue to run no matter what. Okay, it will. And you can talk about continuity of government, continuity of everything else. You know, in business is called business continuation planning, yada, yada, yada. In the world of estate planning, something I'm intimately familiar with, I'm a subject matter expert in, you know, it's, you know, you have state documents, you have wills, living wills, healthcare powers, powers of attorney, yada, yada, yada. You know, it, it is, you realize things are going to continue. Okay, things are going to continue. I guarantee you, somebody other than being raped by one of these Russians, there are Ukrainians that are making babies. They may not be making them in country. Some are. A lot of them making out of country. But war is war is war. It's always been this way. Okay. But when it comes to food shortages, there is no reason for us to have food shortages here in this nation. We have an ample amount of food. Okay. And while yes, the Russians and Ukraine produce a lot of sunflowers, a lot of wheat, that is exported. And the countries that are going to suffer are going to be countries like Africa. All of your African countries, if they cannot produce enough food, are going to suffer. So the question is, how much price increase do you want to have happen for the exportation of food to other countries? And that's all there is to it. I mean, that's a tax. You are looking at a tax because our government wants to try to feed the world. The question should always be, do we have that obligation? Or do some of these other countries have the obligation to maybe consider doing something to not have so damn many children, in addition to which, take care of their own. And uh, because both uh, Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example, just give you one example. 
But we and that's a good example. Uh, one of the things I will say, Biden here actually sounds articulate. Congratulations, Joe. We had a long discussion uh, in the G7 with uh, um, the uh, with both uh, the United States, which has a, as a significant, the third largest producer of wheat in the world, as well as Canada, which is also a major, major producer. Now, one of the things about President Biden is he's not too terribly bad at talking points if he can keep it within 15 to 20 seconds. Doing things like what I'm doing here, when you're doing it off the cuff, it is completely extemporaneous. A few notes, you do a little bit of prep ahead of time. That is not easy. Let me make it really clear to you. That is not easy. And the fact that the man is able to do what he's doing, I'm impressed. I will tell you that. Red alert! But let's continue on with what the rest of what he has to say, and I'll, well, I'll do a little bit of critique on it. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food, food shortages. In addition to that... Okay, we, how we can rapidly increase food shortages. You see what I mean by this? This is a clear, clear-cut sign of cognitive impairment. And you know that I recently, uh, last episode, I talked about Bruce Willis. And we are going to be doing a very prolonged thing for those of you who want to sign up. Simply go to the contact form. It'll be in the show notes. And I will give you access without being a client to this. It's in production. We probably have two weeks left to do on it. And the bottom line is, look, uh, we don't need to have export <laughs> food uh, crisis. Uh, he misspoke. And that's, those are little things that are telltale signs of cognitive impairment. Uh, granted, he's the president of the United States. Does he have a lot of control of what's going on? Yeah, some. He's basically the spokesperson for the country right now, just like Trump was probably not really told a lot about everything that was going on. We talked about uh, urging all the European countries and everyone else to end trade restrictions on on sending uh, limitations on sending food abroad. Okay, so here we go again. Food is a weapon. Always never forget that. Food has been a weapon. Water's a weapon. Energy's a weapon. And when you realize that we are in a world war, this is a world war. The only reason, the only reason why the Russians haven't yet, and I do believe there's a high probability that Putin is suffering from thyroid cancer, that Putin has got some real serious issues. Uh, Roscoe, would you agree? Yeah. Now, Roscoe is here with me and also joining me is Curly Joe. Certainly. Tiny Tim. Yes. And the Reverend Ralph. Oh. These guys are my buddies who sit in with me every time we do one of these things. And one of the things we know is, well, Putin's not doing so well. He's puffy. He's perpetually puffy. And he has a thyroid doctor, a specialist that travels with him at all times. So... This guy might be ready to uh, kick out. What do you think? Wow. Yeah, that's not so good. And if that does happen, there's going to be a real Donnybrook because they don't exactly have the kind of business continuation plan, the succession plans we have here in the United States with our federal government. So get ready for uh, a poo storm if uh, Buddy Boy checks out. He is looking at his mortality. When you that happens, people begin to think a little bit differently sometimes. And it kind of explains a lot why he has done what he do, he's done. He's a Stalinist. He's a vicious Russian uh, oligarch-controlled Stalinist. That's all there is to it. So, But when it comes to food, it's a weapon. And do we have that moral obligation for everybody to pay higher taxes by way of higher food prices because the state 
Department and everyone else is going to be shipping food overseas? These are legitimate questions that I think should be discussed. You didn't hear me say pro, con, or otherwise, but these are things that I share with my clients on a private basis. This is the public version. You're getting a sample of what we do. Is that something that you should think about? And so we are in the process of working out with our European friends what it would be, what it would take to help alleviate the concerns relative to uh, food shortages. We also talked about a significant major U.S. investment, among others, in terms of providing for the need for humanitarian assistance, including food, as we move forward. Well, how about humanitarian assistance, like the Marshall Plan to help the Ukrainians rebuild? And how about once they get those Russians out of their territories? Joe, and for the rest of you, maybe, just maybe, it's time to uh, bingo, cut these people loose and let them go in to Russia and send them back to the Stone Age where they belong. Ah, but we have people here in the U.S. drinking the Russian propaganda who still think this guy is a savior. In the economic crisis of 2008 and 9, construction of new housing came to a grinding halt. Yes, it did. It came to a grinding halt. And now people are like, oh, what are we going to do about it? You know, when this thing started, this pandemic, we took every possible precaution. I've told those of you who are longtime listeners that I do believe in that 100-year cycle and different things. And, and you got to remember, my mother and father are um, were born in 1915. I will be putting up later today a picture of my grandfather who was born in 18, uh, yeah, 1865. And his grandfather, going back now a couple, my great-great-grandfather, who was a pitcher of Eurastus. Yes, right. So I'm going to put William up, and I'm going to put Eurastus up. Eurastus was born in 1803. We're very fortunate to have written documentation of our family history, so we know who we are and where we come from. But I think it's important that you do the same thing when it comes to current events. Why do we have the housing shortages we have? There's a lot of reasons. One of those reasons is that when you continue to pass laws, rules, and regulations that are costly, you price normal everyday people people out of housing. And we've done the same thing here in Florida. Yes, we have hurricanes, they rip roofs off, yada, yada, yada. So what do you do? Well, we got to make the roofs better and better and better and hurricane strips and everything. It adds to the cost. So there's always an action and reaction. There's the yang, there's the yang. There's the pro, there's the con. So what do you do? But even when the economy recovered, home construction didn't. Well, it's real simple. Why did home construction not recover? Because this is not like a green light where you push your foot down on the gas pedal and you go and you take off. And if, if anybody has ever had a boat, you know that you don't throttle down too much. You'll have a wake and you'll capsize the boat. It'll just, it'll, it'll dr- water comes from the back, right? I'm trying to explain so everybody can see it. And when you throttle forward, it takes a while for the boat to get going. No different, basic, fundamental economic concepts. Oh, they'll talk about all sorts of language that's over everybody's head ain't no different than just a damn boat period it's no more different than a damn boat 
So how big is the rental shortage in the United States? So how big is the rental shortage in the United States? Rental shortage, rental shortage. Here's the key thing. There's a rental shortage when you have people who have more space than they need. There's a rental shortage when people do not have roommates. There's a rental shortage when you have people who insist upon moving out of the house, living on their own at age 18, instead of having a society that promotes family, traditional family values. There's a lot of issues going on here that are really fundamental. United States. The government has estimated that we are short about 4 million homes in this country. I got to tell you, just so you know, this is vocal fry talk. Yes, when we get a woman on and she does this vocal fry talk, I hate that stuff. I literally hate that. To me, it's so annoying. Since when can a lady not sound like a lady? I mean, honest to God, I mean that sincerely. Uh, I know. I'm not politically correct. I'm not, never will be politically correct. I just think there's certain standards, you know, like uh, Catherine Hepburn had a deep voice. There's lots of ladies that have that kind of stuff. Anybody can throw their voice. I can do Hallie Mandel and I can do Bobby. We can do all sorts of different things, up and down and sideways. But for those of you who go out and do the Silicon Valley vocal fry, yeah, no, not cutting it, okay? You know, that gal with Theranos, yeah, not cutting it. And that number is likely growing, especially since the pandemic. Four million shy. Yes. Four million shy. I don't know about you, another group of people I can't stand are these reporters like Leslie Stahl who have to insert emotions into everything. Oh, we got to be so emotional. Yeah! Oh! Oh, 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 oh. That's right, Curly Joe, just tell us the story. That's the hole that we're in that we need to build ourselves out of. That's the hole we're in we got to build ourselves out of. You know, I just can't stand that kind of language. How about simply saying, well, nationwide, border to border and coast to coast, we're down about 4 million homes. And it tends to be a problem in certain major uh, urban areas, some rural areas. But again, it's not everywhere, but we are down from where we should be. How about that? Real simple stuff. That number, 4 million, is that mainly in the South and Southwest? or does that include New York City and Always remember, never forget, people who are in the media, okay, the, the lamestream media that is overwhelmingly controlled by Chinese, Russian, um, South American drug cartel influences. Just remember that. These people are control Propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. They're always going after who? They're always going after the South. It's always the same thing. They always say, oh, the dumb South. Include New York City and San Francisco. That's the entire country. It's the entire country. So you talk about, uh, it, it really bothers me. I mean, it's just, it, it's who do you trust when it comes to, I don't know, things like the news? I don't know about you, but I'd rather trust this guy. And now, folks, it's time for who do you trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? Me? I'm giving away free money. Ah, uh, we're giving away free money. Well, 
I'm going to wrap this up. I was on LinkedIn, and a few days ago, I uh, went down to Tampa. I think it was maybe a Thursday, uh, Wednesday. I'm not quite sure. Went down, and um, I had a, a deposition. I was testifying as an expert witness, and got done. And the uh, oh, the plaintiffs let's just say settled real quickly when I got done. But I took a picture of myself. Something I've always done when I travel, I always take a picture of myself and send it to family. And this is before I, you know, digital. I used to take a Polaroid when I was a cop. I'd always take a picture of myself and say, "This is what Dad looked like before Dad." you know, got killed tonight. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Just kind of just a simple thing. I never, uh, people didn't really like that, but uh, I, I never said that in front of my mom or dad. Although I did tell my dad, my dad sometimes said, son, you always take a picture before you go in. I said, yeah, dad might be the last picture you get of me. Oh, my mother heard that thing and she lost it. So, but it is what it is, what it is. You know, sometimes it came in handy because, uh, you know, hey, I got hurt a few times. It kind of is what it is, what it is. There's a garbage can in the northeast corner. You drop the bags and leave. Drop the picture in the garbage can and, and along with me in a hefty bag and get me out of here. But I put a picture up and I was in my boardroom and uh, I had a, a, my wide, I had a, a dark blue suit. It has a, a pinstripe, a wider pinstripe. I have several of these suits. I have about, eh, all together, almost 50 full suits and about the same number of blazers because over the years you just you accumulate things. I got rid of half my ties. I have several hundred ties. I stopped buying ties because people don't like to wear ties. And my shirt is my signature shirt. And so if you look at my left hand, you'll see my watches there and you'll see my signature with the cufflinks. That's that's my shirt. Okay. I have a my shirts are uh, are are made for me and I have my signature on there. And they're again I call them my signature series. Kind of cool. I like it and uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. is what I do. Whoopsie. Bumpy on the, on the microphone there. So one of the things I, I did is I put this thing up. I put it up on LinkedIn and I'm very, I mean, it's very sincerely and I'll explain the reasons why I wrote once upon a time, this was the standard attire for business. How quickly the decades pass. I enjoy being the entrepreneurial contrarian. I always have been and always will be. It works for me, but upsets some highly immature buttercups. It makes me smile. Now you have to break down what I said there and I'm going to do that for you because I have a couple of people that don't get it. I will tell you as it stands right now, I'm getting close to two. 1,500 people who have seen this, and there's uh, getting close to 40 or 50 reactions. No, actually, there's uh, 45 reactions, so it's getting close to 50. Um, here's the thing to it. Uh, you know, I don't get those kind of responses because I'm not that kind of guy that does stupid stuff and throw, you know, things up to, to uh, I don't do the red alerts. Red alert! And that's how you get people to 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 do things. You got to put the flamboyant up there. Red alert! So maybe it's a little flamboyant, but I want to explain what this means. So my father, um, and I have a picture of my father when he's 20, what, 26, 27 years of age. And you can see what I look like. You can go to paultruesdale.com. That's paultruesdale.com. That's where I have the rest of the story. And you can kind of get some good things there. If you're listening on a third-party podcast player, get in the habit of going to my own website and listen to it. And uh, I would use Transistor for now. Of course, we have uh, an announcement that'll be coming out on what we're going to be doing with our own podcast players and a few other things in a few months. Should be kind of cool. But here's the thing. my You'll look at pictures of my grand fathers. Okay. As far back as I have photos, again, I'll put one up from 1803. Everybody's got a suit and tie on. Um, several of these guys have got big old mustaches and beards. My dad was always clean shaven. I've had basically a mustache or a beard most of my life, very short trimmed. Uh, my boys are have beards, you know, just it kind of is what it is. And if you look at throughout history, you know, going way back in time, clean shaven, yeah, us Vikings tend to not have that. We tended to have a beard, okay, it's, is what it is. And I'm a Viking by, by, uh, by natural uh, genetics. 
So I wrote this because this was the natural, this was business attire. Now, I remember back when uh, the 60s and 70s came around and, and my dad was required to get something called a leisure suit. I remember him saying, honey, I don't understand what is a leisure suit. And it was funny because, well, not really. Whoa. Because he struggled all of, for the rest of his life with, what do you wear? Bingo. Because everything changed. Now, I've done the same thing. I, I, I bemoaned when detectives, started wearing polo shirts and all sorts of different things. You know, I remember the days when you worked for a major brokerage firm. I'm not going to say the name, but I know of major brokerage firms that fired their junior associates and their non-partners. If you were seen, for example, in New York City with uh, your shirt and tie on, you had taken your jacket off. When you got back to the office, your stuff was boxed up and you were fired. Get the hell out of here. Okay. Bingo. You didn't wear a blazer. You didn't uh, take your jacket it off. Um, we were professional and we had to do that. So bingo. these days, basically the only people that wear a tie is if you're going to go to court or an attorney. And some people wear it in business, but it is becoming less and less and less. I'm not saying that it's a negative. And I had one idiot who uh, responded and said, oh, I don't believe what you wear is not a big deal. It's the person and blah, blah, blah. Completely missing the point. Okay. Completely missing the point. I'll knock your brains out of your head, honey. Yeah, well, it's not worth trying to knock their brains out. So I wrote how quickly the decades pass. Why? Because I'm getting older. I'm getting older where I remember when you would go to Vegas and everybody in the audience was dressed to the nines. You didn't have a piece of scumbag get up out of the audience during the Oscars and slug a presenter. You didn't have that. People looked good. They wore suits and ties. And it has nothing to do with racism or sexism or it's just, it's, it's, it's a sign of civility. It's a sign of respect. Bingo. So when I wrote, I enjoy being the entrepreneurial contrarian, I have always been a contrarian. And now dressing in a suit and tie is different, but it definitely commands respect. Because I can guarantee you when I walk into a public accommodation, and recently I had to go into, um, where did I go to? I went into Armature Works. I said, oh, I'm the only guy with a suit and tie. And I walked in, I came out of the uh, hearing that I had, had an appointment, met with somebody real quickly for a cup of coffee. Boom. Let me tell you what happens when you do that. When you do something like that, people open doors for you. Okay. Bingo. People say, hello, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. They are, it's a whole, now some people are scumbags. Okay. Bingo. But generally speaking, you get treated a whole lot better because you put the effort into it. It kind of is what it is, what it is. Okay. And people like, uh, they kind of like it. And the thing is, when it hits the fan, these are the people that you tend to look towards uh, for assistance. That's why uniforms are worn by law enforcement and firefighting and, and, and the military, et cetera, because you got to say, you know, I'm large and in charge. It is what it is, what it is. And then I wrote... I've always been uh, and always will be. Yeah, I've always been the contrarian. And it's always worked for me because, you know, when everybody runs in one direction, sometimes it's best to look back and say, why are you running? Oh, we're, we're, the crowd, it's like a herd of elephants running what, because a mouse scared them. So I said it works for me, but it's highly, but it upsets some highly immature buttercups. And that's the problem. In our world, we're allowing buttercups to rule the world. Buttercups need to take a back seat. The world is ruled by those of us who stand up and smile and are large and in charge. You don't like it, I get it. You know what? Don't care.
Our song today will be from Wagner. It's going to be Symphony in C minor. We'll be right back. This concludes the public version of the Paul Truesdell podcast. The rest of the story is available to friends of Paul Truesdell. To become a friend, go to paultruesdell.com and complete the contact form. So what you need to do is you need to go to the contact form here on paultruesdale.com, paultruesdale.com, go to the upper, uh, I think it's the right-hand side, uh, simply sign up, and you need to become a um, perspective, a friend in one way, shape, form, or another of Fixed Cost Financial. That's my investment advisory firm. And if you do that, we'll let you in on the good stuff. With that, instead of doing Flight of the Valkyries by Wagner, we're going to do Symphony in C minor. We're not going to do a disco song today or a rock song. Enjoy. We cut it down to about five minutes. I'll see you on Friday. With that, Tip Canoe, Tyler 2, thanks. And again, there's nothing wrong with being classy. There's nothing wrong with being classy. What was that movie? Oh, yeah. Will, was it Will Smith? No, it was Will Smith. It was Will Ferrell. Anchorman. Nah, let's not do that. Let's really be classy.